0: Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Harvest Community Church or HarvestChurchEugene.com. Thank you for uh, celebrating Mother's Day with us. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad to have you worshiping with us. Mother's Day is always a special day. And in just a moment, we're going to pray for moms. But before we do, I want to ask a favor of you. I want to ask if you would go online, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, and say hello in the, in the comments, in the chat. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to know you're watching. Of course, we'd love the chance to see how your week's going and just see how you're doing, how we can pray for you. Speaking of that, we'd love it if you'd fill out our digital communication card. Again, the links are on YouTube and on Facebook. Uh, If you'd fill out that digital communication card, it would give us the chance to do several things. It would give us the chance to see how you're doing. It would give us a chance to answer any questions you've got or help you take spiritual next steps. And it would also give us the chance to pray for you. We take those prayer requests super seriously and we value them and we value the opportunity we have to pray for you week in and week out. And so if you'd fill out that digital communication card, that would be awesome. If Harvest has been your home for a long time, then we would encourage you to check out some of those other links as well, including the giving link. As you know, in these uh, sort of crazy times, much of our giving is happening online. And uh, we want to say thank you to those of you who've been so faithful to give over the last weeks and months and even year. Uh, Your giving makes a world of difference um, to people right here in our neighborhood. All of that said, if you're a guest today, please know that your giving is not what concerns us. Uh, What we're concerned about is you. We just want to get to know you. And so if you're a guest, if you would fill out that digital communication card, we would certainly value that. In fact, to honor that, we would like to give $5 in your name and $5 in each of your family members' names to our partners at Monroe Middle School. They have a fund that supports families in crisis right here in the neighborhood. We think it's a great partnership, and it's a great way to honor that you're taking uh, the chance to get to know us a little bit and giving us the chance to begin to get to know you. Know that we'd certainly love to hear from you. So as I mentioned before, today is Mother's Day, and uh, we're celebrating moms uh, in many different ways today. Certainly we're celebrating online, and our uh, in-person gatherings we will be celebrating moms as well. I recognize every time Mother's Day rolls around that Mother's Day is a day of celebration, that we're celebrating moms who do so much in our lives. I read this recently. You might have heard it before. It's how to be a modern mom. How to be a modern mom. Well, you make sure your children's academic, emotional, psychological, physical, mental, spiritual, nutritional, and social media needs or at least social needs, are all met while being careful not to overstimulate, understimulate, improperly medicate, helicopter, neglect kids in a screen-free, processed foods-free, GMO-free, negative energy-free, plastic-free, body-positive, authoritative, yet egalitarian, socially conscious, nurturing, but fostering of independence, gentle but not overly permissive, pesticide-free, two-story, multilingual home, preferably, you know, in a cul-de-sac with a backyard and 1.5 siblings, born two years apart, so they can have proper social development. Don't forget to add coconut oil. Modern mom. Then there was momming, mothering. Being a mom in literally every previous generation, it went like this. Feed them. Sometimes. Now, I realize that's an over-exaggeration, but it might be why many of our moms feel crazy all the time because we just feel like there's a million things going in to being a mom and pulling us in a million different directions. And I recognize that while we celebrate moms today, that we also want to pray for moms because mom's day can be painful. It can be painful because we've recently lost our mom. It can be painful because we want to be a mom and we haven't been able to. It can be painful for a lot of reasons. It can be a complicated day, a day where perhaps we're not getting to see our kids or a day where there's tension in the family. So we want to recognize all of those things. We want to honor those who are honoring we want to celebrate with those who are celebrating and we want to pray for comfort for those who need it so would you pray for me now as we pray for moms lord jesus i thank you for the moms in our lives i thank you for my mom i thank you for my wife marcy and uh, the mom she's been to our kids all these years and i thank you for all the moms that are participating online today and all the moms that are participating in person today lord i just pray wow i just pray wisdom for moms It's been an insane year plus to be a mom. And so, Lord, I pray for wisdom. I pray for strength. I pray for grace. I I pray for endurance. And, Lord, I pray for their hearts, their buckets, to be filled with love today. Lord, we pray for the moms among us for whom this is a a complex day or perhaps a, a real struggle. Lord, we pray that you would be the comfort they need. We pray that you would be the strength they need. And we pray that you would guide them each and every day, that they would have a sense of your nearness with them today. And Lord, certainly again, we pray, for all the moms that are celebrating today and all the families that are celebrating moms and pray that we can celebrate in ways that are so honoring of you. So love-filled and grace-filled Lord, we thank you for moms and what they do, the way they nurture our souls. Lord bless them today. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So we've been in a series called, Soul Detox. We've been talking about how to detox various things in our lives, detoxing uh, our pride, detoxing our hurry, detoxing a lot of the stuff that becomes toxic within us, the behavior that can be self-centered or self-seeking, behavior that can be controlling or manipulative, behavior that often becomes harmful or destructive. Today, I want to go in a little different direction. I want to talk about detoxing the ongoing conversation in your head. In fact, I think moms know probably more about this than anybody else because moms know what it is to have one thing going on inside the head and another thing required of them and trying with all their might to be what the kids need or what the family needs or what work needs or or or, or any of that, trying to do what everybody else needs while having an ongoing conversation in the head that is that is not helpful to what is needed. Now, that's not to beat up on moms. That's to admit that often life requires of us to be healthy, right? It requires of us to be non-toxic in the ways we relate to other people. And yet often what's going on inside of us is a conversation in our head that has become toxic. So I want you to admit it today. I want you to admit to yourself that you talk to yourself. That alone is a big admission, right? I want you to admit that you talk to yourself and even further that that talking to yourself, that conversation in your head is often toxic, that that conversation in your head can be full of worry or conflict or discouragement. It can be full of negative thinking or stress or, or just an overwhelming sense of rush and busyness. There can be a sense of perfectionism or attitudes that are bad. According to the National Science Foundation, an average person has twelve to 60,000 thoughts per day. And of those, as much as 80% of them are negative thoughts... And 95% of them are repetitive thoughts, meaning that we're repeating negative thoughts over and over and over. Therapists have a term for this. They call them automatic negative thoughts or ants that they come into our lives, much like the ants that invade at a picnic. Certainly, you know, these thoughts, right? Oh, I'm just not very good. I'm not on my game today. I don't deserve happiness. It feels like everyone is out to get me. Oh, it's my fault that things have gotten so bad. Oh, it's my, you know, my kid's fault or my spouse's fault or my boss's fault that things have gotten so bad that I'm a failure or that I'll never make it, that I should have gotten more done this week. That so-and-so's in a terrible mood and it must be something I did. That I feel ugly and therefore I must be ugly. That everybody else sees me as ugly. That I'm hopeless. That my situation will never, ever, ever change. That I've always been like this. now, These thoughts don't always cascade quite this rapidly. Sometimes they do. But certainly the conversation in your head has a repetition of these thoughts. I wish I was a better person. I'm not sure if I can go on. Man, no one understands how tough it is to be me, to live in my skin. That I can't stand my circumstances anymore. That I'm not gonna be able to get myself together. That how could anyone how could anyone like me because I don't like myself? That my life is a mess. My house is a mess. My family is a mess. My kids are a mess. That something has to change, but it'll never change. That I can't seem to get anything done. That I don't know how to trust anyone anymore. That I did something awful, but it's because you did something awful first. That I'm frustrated with my life, or I'm frustrated with my peeps or i'm frustrated with my circumstances or i'm i'm even i'm frustrated with god you you see how these thoughts cascade like a waterfall one into another into another that often are thoughts are trapped in the toxic. Now, I'm going to be honest. This happens to me, just like it happens to you. I worry about what other people think. I worry about how people will respond. I worry as a pastor about how we're doing through the pandemic. That it's very natural, supernatural, superhuman of us to be trapped in these toxic thought patterns And here's where this gets interesting, because I'm a Christian, and many of you watching are Christians, and what we know is that we're supposed to relate with others in non-toxic ways, that we're supposed to be healthy, we're supposed to be better than healthy, we're supposed to be loving and gracious, we're supposed to be kind, we're supposed to be encouraging. And so we try to develop relationships where we're doing all of these things while there's a dissonance going on, because what's going on in our head is the opposite. You know what I mean? The conversation in our head doesn't really feed grace in our relationships with other people. And we're going to need to get around to talking about how to relate to people in non-toxic ways, how to relate in healthy, gracious ways. In fact, we're going to come back to that very thing just next week, detoxing our relationships. But before we go there, we're going to need to talk about how to detox the thoughts that are often trapped in our minds, those thoughts that are so so toxic i want to show you how this plays out you can see it in colossians chapter 3 and i'm gonna start in the middle of the chapter and then i'm gonna back up and i'm gonna tell you that right now right up front so colossians 3 verse 12 says therefore as god's chosen people holy and dearly loved that's you that's me Now, if you're not a Christian today, we'd love for you to become a Christian. It's as simple as receiving Jesus Christ, as receiving his grace, receiving his kindness, receiving his love, receiving his forgiveness. It's as simple as praying and asking and receiving. And later today, I'm going to give you a chance to do just that. But for those of us that consider ourselves Christians, this is going to say God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, with patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's 12, 13 verses 12 and 13 of Colossians 3. And we all know that that's how we're supposed to relate with other people. And we want those kind of relationships. Don't we? Don't we want our our deepest family relationships to be characterized that way? Don't we want the relationships in the Christian community to be that way? Don't we want our deepest, best friendships to be that way? And yet often they're not. Because what's going on inside of us comes out in how we relate to one another. There's a link. There's a there's a connection. And I want to show that to you. So you go back to chapter 3 of Colossians, beginning in the very first verse. And I'm just going to read this through with you. Colossians 3.1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. That's those of us who are Christians. Again, if you want to become a Christian, you can today. You just ask. You set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And you set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality and impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. So there are more things to kill, more things to be rid of. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Rid yourselves of these things. Rid themselves from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile, no Jew, no circumcised or uncircumcised, no barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and Christ is in all. Therefore, here's where we began a while ago, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another If any one of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Verse one, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is is seated at the right hand of God. And set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. See, this is saying to us, right? Very much so that it's tough. It's impossible to relate in healthy ways to other people when toxic stuff is going on inside our souls. That there's a strong interconnectedness between what we think in our heads and what we feel in our hearts and how we in turn interact and relate with other people. And that I can be angry and selfish and frustrated and irritated, or I can be kind and gentle and compassionate. And what makes the difference 99% of the time in how I treat everyone else around me is what is going on in my head and my heart. What is my mind and my heart set on? I mean, I could give you example after example, right? But let's say I'm running late for a meeting and I haven't eaten and I stop in somewhere in a convenience store or something. I'm going to grab some quick food or I'm going to grab a snack or something to kind of take to the meeting and be able. And while I'm there, I'm in a hurry. I'm in a huge hurry. And I run into someone I know. How do I treat them? Am I kind? Am I gentle? Am I gracious? Probably not. Because what's going on inside of me isn't good and it comes out in the way I interact with them. Now, take this a step further. I, I treat them poorly and they leave thinking, what in the world did I do? Why was Brian so upset with me? And it becomes contagious because they go home and do the same thing to people they care about. And it just becomes a contagious, toxic sludge that destroys relationships. So knowing this, there's something we have to come to understand about the grace life as a Christian. I don't mean that you have to come to know grace itself because, because when you become a Christian, you have come to grace, you have received grace, but Everything else that flows in our lives is meant to flow from that grace. Attitudes like peace or compassion or gratitude even, love, all flow from grace. And if we want the grace kind of life, we've got to learn to practice it, you and I. You don't just wake up one day and say, oh, Jesus like flipped a switch in my heart and suddenly I'm all graceful and peaceful. You've got to learn to practice it. It's called practice for a reason. It's like how doctors practice medicine. You say, you know, I I don't want to see a doctor that's practicing medicine. I want a doctor that's got it all figured out. And I'm going to say, no, you don't. Because a doctor that's got it all figured out stopped learning and growing and practicing years ago. And you don't want that doctor anywhere near you. You want the doctor that's paying attention to the most recent things. You want the doctor that's, that's practicing in the best of medicine at the moment. You want, when you watch athletes, whether it's the docks or the beavers or professional sports, you want to see athletes that have spent countless hours practicing. Why can they do what they do and hit threes the way they do? Because of all of that practice. And man, does life give us more than enough opportunities to practice grace if we will just seize them. We want to be able to live the grace life with other people, but we've got to learn first to live the grace life with ourselves. In other words, and this is the one thing I want to convince you of today, we've got, I've got, I need to fully experience grace if I want to fully share grace. I need to fully experience grace inside of me, in my mind, grace washing over me, inside my soul, grace washing over me. I need that in, my, in all of my spaces, in all of my head. I need that washing over me if it's going to flow out of me. That grace needs to become the new life and the new story I tell myself Every single day. You see, there are all these relational spaces in our lives. There's the relational space inside yourself, inside your own head. And there's the relational space between you and any other individual. And there's even a relational space between you and God, right? And in all of those spaces, you need an overwhelming like an ocean of grace that just keeps coming wave after wave after wave. And as it comes, you've got to receive it and practice it to churn it back out. Because you can't give away what you do not have. And my dilemma is that I often go about life trying to act one way with other people and not practicing it inside my head. And this is, if we're honest, where we become, and we all do it, we become hypocritical. Where we're trying to practice one thing, but we're believing or behaving another inside of us. I mean, it's, it just doesn't work to live in incongruent like that and dissonant like that. It doesn't work because it's like trying to tie live fruit on a dead tree. It, it just isn't going to happen. Right? It's just going to appear fake. But if I want the fruit of grace to come out of me, then the fruit of grace has to really take hold inside my mind and inside my soul. Not excusing behaviors, but experiencing real forgiveness along the way. Recognizing that God really treats me the way this passage outlined the way I'm supposed to treat others. That God treats me with love with compassion, with kindness, with humility, gentleness, and patience, that Jesus is clothed with those, and that in essence, I need to be clothed with Jesus in order to share those things with everyone else. So I want to get practical for the last minutes today, and and I want to go about it this way. How does Jesus bring freedom to a mind trapped by the toxic? And another way to ask that question is, how does grace change my thinking. How does Jesus and grace bring freedom? Sorry. Does it, how does Jesus bring freedom through grace to a mind that is trapped in the toxic? How does grace change my thinking? I've got four big ideas for you. Okay. Number one, I need to refocus my thoughts, not on who I am, but rather on who I am in Christ. That if my thinking is going to change, then I must refocus my thoughts not on who I am. All of that toxic talk. I am a failure. I am a loser. I am no good. I am always frustrated. I am so sick of me. I don't even like me. I need to refocus my thoughts not on who I am, but who I am in Christ. This will challenge all of the assumptions I have about myself. It will challenge the doubts I have about myself. This is, in the end, largely about your identity. It is about who you think you are. It's about the story you tell yourself every day of your life. He said in verse 12, where we started, that we are God's chosen people. That means he has adopted us, that we are holy, that we are dearly loved. That's who God says you are. You are adopted. You are loved. You are holy as Jesus is holy problem is we don't believe it and so we don't act like it verse one said since you've been raised with Christ this is true like picture of the resurrection you are raised with Christ set your hearts on things above where Christ is where Christ is he is above seated at the right hand of God so I am to set my hearts on where Christ is (laughs) Sovereign, where Christ is is good, where Christ has done all he came to do. Where Christ is in heaven. And I am to set my minds on things above, not on earthly things. This means that I need to take my thinking out of the gutter, out of the toxic, and put it on Christ and specifically who I am in Christ. Verse 3, he said, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ In God, that's powerful. It's beautiful. That over and over and over in the story, he comes back to the way Christ sees you, the way Christ treats you. That I have died to self, yet I am alive with Christ. That I am hidden with Christ in God. That I am a peer with him in glory. That I am adopted and chosen. That I am holy. That I am dearly loved. See, my walk with Jesus is the strength, it is the pathway for the deep soul work that has to happen in my heart and in my mind. And this isn't a matter of me being better on my own, but it is a matter of me being changed in the direction of Christ, molded and shaped to become more like Jesus. The reality is we're always chasing after things. We're always chasing after things that often aren't They're often not of Christ. They're the stuff of this life, of this world. The promotions or purchases, we're, we're running from something or we're running to something. Think about it. Think about it. Some of us are running from father wounds or mother wounds, from childhood trauma. We're running from our family name or deep insecurities or fears of failure or deficits of self-worth. For some of us, we have an inability to accept the limitations of our humanity Or maybe we're just bored with the stage of life we're in. Maybe we're overwhelmed with the stage of life we're in and we're running from it. For others of us, we're running to something but not things above. We're running to purchases or experiences or stamps on our passport. We're running to the next high that something that we think will make us feel achievement and worth. And in the end, if I am to think better think less toxic Then I must think better not about who I am, but better about who I am in Christ. I essentially just need to believe what Jesus says about me. So there are two big questions that I wrote in my notes. You might want to write these down. If you would spend a lot of effort chasing these two big questions, it would solve or at least move the ball down the field for you quite a bit. If you struggle with this identity type stuff, the first question is, what is I'm, what am I believing is true about me that Christ would say is not true about me? And if you really want to get practical here, I want you to get out a journal or a blank sheet of paper somewhere. And I want you to spend 30 minutes. What am I believing is true about me that Christ would not say is true about me? And I want you to make that big long list because those are those toxic thoughts. The second big question, what do I believe I need that I do not really, truly need because I have Christ? What do I believe I need that I do not truly need because I have Christ? Again, answering these two questions at length gives us a real focus on how to change the talk that goes goes on inside our heads. Someone said a long time ago that you don't want to be so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good. This is saying, Paul is saying right here, that those who are the most heavenly minded do the most earthly good. Because they're able to let grace flow from them. And that's who we want to become. So I need to do this work in my thoughts Number two, I need to recognize my tendency to downplay, even excuse my toxic sins. That you and I need to recognize our tendency to to downplay our sins, even excuse our toxic sins. Remember, verse five said, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. You know, things like sexual immorality or impurity or lust or evil desires or greed. And you might look at those and go, and what's so bad about that? Until... Someone does those things to you, and then you realize, oh, there is something toxic about that. He reminds us that greed, and I think many of these, really all of them, have their roots in idolatry. He says, because of these, the wrath of God is coming, and you used to walk in these ways. In other words, he's saying to the people in Colossae that they have been freed from these sins in the life you once lived. But now, now get this, verse 8, this is significant. But now you must also rid yourselves of all of these things. And then he adds another list. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Lying is another one of these things. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices... Right, And he's going to tell us, if we've taken off our old self, then we're to be renewed in the image of our creator. Put on the new self. The thing here that I want you to see is he says, you must also rid yourselves of. It's as though the people were saying, well, we don't have any of that bad stuff, but there's some stuff over here we just don't think is that bad. And he's saying, no, it is it's toxic too and you have to recognize your tendency to downplay even excuse that stuff because you think you know what it's just not all that bad it's really not hurting anyone and yet it is it's hurting our relationships it's hurting ourselves you say well it can't be that bad because i'm not that bad or it's no big deal because nobody's really getting hurt at least not that bad it's not like it's not like anybody's getting murdered perhaps not physically. The reality is that with sin, it's always worse than we think, and it's contagious, and it's compounding, and it's, it's, it's cumulative. It's toxic. You know, in our culture, we see some things as sins still, but a lot of things we see as not only acceptable, but encouraged. And when God says don't, he says don't for a reason, because it's toxic. And so don't downplay it, but recognize it for the problem it really is. When it's going on inside of you and you're talking it to yourself, it needs to be stopped because God says so. Number three, I need to release myself from the price of sins that Jesus has paid. So as a Christian person, I have asked Jesus to forgive my sins. Haven't you? Yes. And if I have asked Jesus to forgive my sins, the basis for that forgiveness is what? My goodness? My deserving it? Not at all. The basis for the forgiveness of my sins is the grace of Jesus Christ that was poured out on that cross where, where the blood of Jesus was poured out, where he covers over my sins, where he paid the price literally for my sins. Verse 13, he says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's the new standard. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Well, who paid for that forgiveness? Jesus did. Now, here's the problem. We always want someone to pay a price when we're sinned against. And anytime there's toxic behavior, we always want someone to pay a price. And what we do is we either try to make someone else pay the price or we try to make ourselves pay the price. And here's what I want you to see. You and I are asking someone, ourselves or someone else, to pay a price that Jesus has already paid. Can you imagine buying, like, something significant at, you know, Best Buy or, or the department store or wherever you go? You, you've saved up for a long, long time. You're going to buy something really, really valuable, and you say, oh, I know it's already paid for, and someone else paid the price for me, but I want to pay it again. Would you mind if I came back next week and I paid some more, and maybe I could get on a payment plan where, for like, for the rest of my life, I just keep coming back, and I keep paying, and I keep paying, and you keep paying. And you say, that sounds like my mortgage. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different deal. But follow me on this. If I buy a like $2,000 TV or a $3,000 TV, but I want to pay for it for the rest of my life and just keep paying and keep paying and keep paying so that cumulatively over my life, I try to keep paying and paying and paying, and it's no good because it's already paid for. And I can't really pay for it anyway. He is saying that I shouldn't treat people as if they have to earn my kindness. Or as if they have to earn my forgiveness or as if they have to earn my grace. Because if it's earned, it's not grace. Now, I want you to turn this inward for a moment. Because we often know that with other people, but we don't know that with ourselves. And so we beat ourselves up and we lash ourselves, expecting us to keep paying the price for our sins. And it keeps our minds trapped in the toxic And if I keep beating myself up for sins that Jesus has paid for, what I'm saying is his blood was not enough. That when he hung on the cross and said, it is finished, I'm saying, oh, no, it's not. There's a problem with that. There's no price I can pay that will be enough. Grace is undeserved. And it's the new standard, and it's supposed to change everything. And it means I need to be willing to receive it and let it wash over me. It means that I need not to excuse my sins, but to really grapple with them before God and let grace wash over it, through it, cleanse it. That list, those two questions I asked a while ago under the first point, those two big questions, right? Uh, What were they? Let me find that. Sorry, notes are a little long here today. What am I believing that is true about me that Christ would say is not true about me? You got a big long list. What do I believe I need that I do not truly need because I have Christ? You got a long list. You need grace to wash over all that stuff, all those thoughts. The blood of Jesus is enough. The cross is enough. Let it be. I have one more for you. I need to retrain my brain to replace my toxic thoughts with grace thoughts. That I need to retrain my brain. There's quite a bit of science here that would indicate that when you have a thought, that it creates a new neural pathway in your brain. And the more you think it, the more likely you are to keep thinking it. And so brain retraining is really a big deal when it comes to the thoughts that happen inside of us. I need to retrain my brain to replace my toxic thoughts with grace thoughts. That's what he's saying, right? He's saying, right, isn't this powerful? That not only are we to put to death certain things, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, but we are also to rid ourselves of anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language, not lying to each other, taking off the old self, with all of its old practices, put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself. These are the replacement thoughts of grace. Instead of anger, compassion. Instead of malice, kindness. Instead of rage, humility. Instead of filthy language, Gentleness, bearing with each other, forgiving one another, going so far as to forgive as the Lord forgave you, putting love over all of it. Now we'll get more into this next week as we talk about how this translates into our relationships. And we're actually going to come right back to the same text. But if I am to put on kindness and compassion and gentleness and patience on the outside, that's not to mean that I am to hide my bitterness or my rage or my lying on the inside. It's about transformation from the inside out, the process of being changed to become like Jesus. And so I need a replacement strategy where I'm retraining my brain. So if you've got a particularly toxic thought, you need to learn to find the grace thought and when you start thinking it, replace it. When you start thinking it, replace it. i need mean, to replace toxic behavior with Jesus behavior. Toxic thoughts with grace thoughts. Toxic ways of relating with loving ways of relating. What is the graceful, loving thing to do? In the end, I need to bring grace to bear on all of my relationships, but it's got to start in the relational space inside of me, in the relationship that I have with myself. I need to fully receive grace, which means I not only need to receive God's grace, I need to receive grace from myself in order to be able to fully share grace. Got it? Does that make sense? I hope so. So I always end with two prayers, and I want to pray them for you right now. The first is a prayer of salvation. The second is a prayer of application for those of us who've already been saved, those of us that are part of the Christian community. For those of us that need salvation today, I promised you we would do this. If you need Jesus, you can receive him right now. It's, it's, it's simple, but it costs him everything. He died on the cross for our toxic sins. They put him in a borrowed grave. He rose from the grave from the dead, and he wants to live inside of you and offer you grace and love and kindness and compassion, patience and bearing with. He wants to do all of that with you inside of you. Will you just receive it? Pray like this. Dear Jesus. Please forgive my sins and please wash over me in grace like waves of the ocean. Just keep washing over me. Jesus, fill my heart with your grace. I believe that you died for my sins. You're praying this with me? I hope so. I believe that you rose from the dead. And I ask that you take over my life and not only give your grace to me, but make me like a grace, like you, so that your grace can flow through me. Jesus, do all this in me. I give my life to you, and I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. It's that simple. Cost him everything, but it's that simple because he paid the price. If you prayed that prayer with me today, would you let me know? You can let me know on your digital communication card. You can let me know by emailing me. I'm brian, B-R-I-A-N, at harvestchurcheugene.com. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to talk about what it means to be a part of a family, what it means to be a part of what God is doing in a church, in our church. I always pray two prayers. The first is a prayer of salvation. The second is a prayer of application. And if you've been a Christian for a long time or maybe a short while and you need to refresh this in your life, would you pray it with me just like this? Dear Jesus, I acknowledge that I am often trapped in the toxic in my thoughts. I admit that there's often no grace rolling through my mind. Jesus, I pray that your grace would wash through my mind like the waves that wash up from the ocean. I ask that your work of grace would be powerful in my heart, soul, and mind so that I can refocus my thoughts not on how bad I am, but on who you say I am. I pray that you would help me to recognize when I'm downplaying the toxic and help me to turn around back to your grace. Help me to release myself and others from the price you've already paid for my sins. And help... (laughs) Retrain my brain to replace toxic thoughts with graceful ones. Thoughts of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness, and love. Jesus, do that in me every day this week. Please. Please, we pray in your name, Jesus, for everyone. Amen. Amen. It is so powerful to let the grace of Jesus not only work through our lives, but get to begin to flow through our lives. But it's not going to flow through our lives until it is washed over our lives, and we need it constantly. Does it make sense? I hope so. Again, I want to wish you a happy Mother's Day. I want to remind all of you that whether this is a day of celebration or this is a day that's difficult, that we love you, that we care about you. And I want you to go today remembering this, that not only are you graced by Jesus, but you are loved. We'll see you real soon.